This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, tis the offseason, gentlemen. And what's that saying about the offseason? At least the greats of which I have no ability to speak on whatsoever, just based on what I've heard. Uh, no experience, actually, from a first-person perspective. Paul Calvisi over here, Kyle Odegaard, Darren Urban. It is Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. But the offseason is where you add to your game, right? Michael Jordan was famous for that, for example, a different aspect of your game every offseason. And you know it's the offseason when pro football focus has gone back and regraded the 2019 draft. And, and, and I bring this up in the context, Kyle, that I know I'm different this offseason than any other offseason because just the fact I'm batting leadoff with analytics and pro football <laughs> focus tells you all you need to know about what I've added to my game versus just a year or two or three ago, and uh, as you nod accordingly. Uh, but here we go with Kyler Murray, and you guys saw this. Help me understand this. They regraded the 2019 NFL draft. And they have Kyler at number one, which is where he's selected. And it sounds like they agree with it based on the fact they put the 100 icon next to it. First and foremost, you do have some greatness and you have added to your game because I'm looking on Zoom here and you have this mustache coming back. That was their last offseason. It looks fantastic. And I mean, the offseason is your time to shine because of that mustache. All right, that, that it's out the early of the stages, by the way. It's the early stage. Once I get some performance enhancers in me, uh, <laughs> and, and then boom, you just wait till you see it next month. Go ahead. The uh, Yeah, the Kyler Murray thing, they were looking at basically the 2019 draft and saying, okay, now we've got two years of data, and did teams make the right choice? And this can be a pretty short conversation because we obviously know that if the Cardinals had the number one overall pick again and had everybody available, they're still taking Kyler Murray. I mean, he had some ups and downs at times this season, the end of the year, the Cardinals offense wasn't as efficient as hoped, but overall, I mean, he's obviously a guy that is trending quickly towards stardom and they said it was an excellent, an excellent pick as they regrade. And I think we all know it, that Kyler Murray was a home run choice. I mean, just look at the fact the NFC Pro Bowl quarterbacks this year, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and the number one pick in the 2019 draft, Kyler Murray. So there you go. Not to say that Kyler doesn't have the ability to add to his game in the offseason, if that indeed is is the segue here. But, uh, you know, Darren, what's your reaction when you see that? I mean, in hindsight, to Kyle's point, there's – if you had the rest of the field, you're not going with anyone else with two years of evaluation under your belt, right? No, of course not. And and quite frankly, uh, you would have been 
crazy. You're crazy to think otherwise, but you really would have been crazy if we would have been talking eight or nine games into the season. You know, look, does Kyler Murray still have things he has to get better at his game? I think that's I think that's a no brainer at this point. I mean, they didn't finish the Cardinals the way they wanted to. Uh, and, I, and I think in a lot of ways, a lot of that weight falls on Kyler Murray and, and, and head coach Cliff Kingsbury in terms of learning the game as they go along. But I mean, look, Kyler Murray was the right pick then. It would be the right pick now. Um, and, and when you look around the league and you look at where some of these teams are with their franchise quarterbacks or, you know, again, even if you're saying like Wolf likes to do that. Kyler is a franchise quarterback in the making and isn't quite there yet. I mean, look, look what craziness is going on in Houston when they know they have a franchise quarterback in Deshaun Watson and they might want to trade him because things have gotten so bad there. And look what happens uh, in New Orleans when your franchise quarterback finally ages out and it looks like Drew Brees is at the end of the line. Uh, if he hadn't already been there in terms of his physical gifts and what do the Saints do now and, and exactly how does that play out? It's a, it's a position that if you've got a guy, you, you don't want to lose him. And it's why it's crazy what's going on with the Texans. And it's why if you're the Cardinals, you have to continue to push Kyler Murray to as great a heights as you can get, but you feel like that guy is your guy. And you know what? That's our segue into this next one because you bring up Deshaun Watson and, and we brought our pro football focus and the analytics and the greats in the game right now. Very interesting to see, Kyle, that four of the top five graded quarterbacks this year, according to their system, are all in the NFC and AFC championship games. Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady, Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes. That comprises four of the top five. The other one that's out on the outside looking in, Deshaun Watson. So if Kyler Murray is looking to something to gun for, the next step, to me, it's that grouping. It's that AFC-NFC championship game, obviously, uh, arrival in the postseason. And, and honestly, when I watch what Baker Mayfield has done the second half of the season and what he did in the postseason in year three, to me, if Kyler is looking for a goal or someone to emulate, just the way I thought Baker Mayfield balled out and really became a leader of that Browns team in year three of his NFL career. Yeah, and Josh Allen, too, in Buffalo, who had a up and down first two seasons and really had a terrific year in year three. And now he has them in the AFC championship game. To me, there are two paths toward NFL success in the modern day league. It's, it's either have a superstar quarterback like green Bay does with Aaron Rodgers, you know, like we see with Mahomes and, and Tom Brady, or it's have a very good quarterback on a rookie deal. And you mentioned Mayfield and you mentioned Allen and even Mahomes, even though he signed his extension, it's still at a discount right now. I mean, that money is going to be huge in a couple of years, but Kansas City can pay everybody because Mahomes is still cheaper than the market would indicate he should be. Um, so I think that, those are the ways to succeed. And I think Mayfield and Allen are helped by the fact that you have enough money to put really good players around them. You look at this Buffalo offense, you know, they, they signed John Brown and Cole Beasley and they traded for Stephon Diggs. They're pouring resources into their offense and it's paying off. And, you know, when Josh Allen has to be paid $40 million a year or whatever he's going to get, those resources start getting thinner. And then there's more on the quarterback. And it goes back to your point, Paul, like the Cardinals have a very good quarterback on a rookie deal. This is the time to strike. And years three and four to me are humongous in a, in a arc of a first round quarterback who has those 
those prime years when he's cheap. And I think it's incumbent on the Cardinals to take advantage. It's funny that I, you know, I 100% agree with the finances of it because we talked about it a million times and it's just, it's so important these days. Uh, it's not impossible uh, to get where you're going. Cause I mean, look in the NFC where you've got Brady and, and Rogers and taking up a big chunk of, of, of your salary cap. But um, I will say that going back to your original point, Paul, I'm a little hesitant when we start talking about Baker Mayfield coming and doing so well at the end of the season, or even Kyle talking about Josh Allen, because I feel like in, a, in, in some small ways, we got a little bit burned by that this year. Not that Kyler Murray didn't have a solid second season, but at this time last year, we were all talking about him being an MVP candidate. And I know he played like it for a chunk of the year, but it did not finish that way. And it feels like we got a little ahead of ourselves in terms of where he might be. And, and maybe it isn't about following Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield. And, and Kyler's just going to be on his own timeline. The important thing is that he reaches it. And like Kyle was saying, reaches it in such a time where hopefully he's still making his rookie money. And, uh, and then they can put some pieces around him because the reality is, is, um, while he's going to be on his rookie deal another couple of years, he's eligible to get a contract extension after next season. And, and while that's what essentially Mahomes did, and you can kind of put it off a little bit, his number probably for that fifth year or the fourth year might go up at least a little bit, potentially, depending on what, wants, what he wants to have happen and where everything goes. And, and again, I, I just, I think that next year is such an important year for him regardless of what anybody else has done uh, in terms of how he plays, how Cliff Kingsbury brings this team together and, and if they can make a serious run, because I, I think the spotlight is, is definitely going to be on in year three. Are the Cardinals close enough that they can make those necessary adjustments and additions in this offseason to make them a serious contender in next postseason? Do you guys, do you feel that Kyle, that, that, okay, uh, we saw him take a leap from year one of Cliff Kingsbury to year two. Anybody who saw the Bears in the postseason, I think we all agree, everybody now, all the Cardinals could have, should have, would have been there if not for those last two games of the year. Uh, now what? Can they actually be a serious, not only a contender for the postseason, but a contender to play into February, perhaps, after one more offseason? Yeah, I think, I think for sure that is a, a ceiling that can be attained. Like we've talked about, you've got a really good quarterback – and he's cheap. And I think those two things are so incredibly important. They're the two most important things to team building right now, unless you have an MVP candidate, which at quarterback, even if you're paying him $40 million, he's still more than worth that because quarterbacks are that special. Um, and I, I just think the Cardinals, if you look at Kyler Murray, like, yeah, he didn't have the MVP season. That was obviously the very high ceiling of trying to match Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, but you look at the numbers across the board, he he improved quite a bit when you see the adjusted yards per attempt, the net yards per attempt, the stuff that shows his passing game improved, obviously his rushing improved. If they can get more pieces around him, I do think the offense can take an, the next step to the next level. To me, the offense struggled because the running game kind of disappeared toward the end of the season, and that wasn't on Kyler Murray. That was, for whatever reason, whether it be the offensive line or, or Kenyon Drake, I don't know, but they went from having over 5.2 yards per carry early on, and I think they ended around 4.7. So toward the end, it really dropped off dramatically, and 
if you can fix that, you're in pretty good shape. And then obviously the question is defensively, can you have another good season? But yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't rule out the Cardinals competing next season because they have Kyler Murray and they're in pretty good cap shape. I'm not going to argue that, although it, it does, and I'd have to break down the numbers and Kyle, you've probably looked at them more closely than I have uh, in, in particular regard to this, but you know, when you start talking about the running game falling off, and I do think the running backs game fell off, but I mean, it just felt like that just coincided with the original Kyler injury, the fact he didn't run for a few games, which not only took away some runs that were getting some nice bulky yards per carry from him, but also took away that threat uh, that was helping your run game that just wasn't there. And then of course the last game, he wasn't able to do anything and barely played. I just, it goes back to, and I was listening to somebody talking about in general uh, where some of these teams are, maybe where the, the Baltimore Ravens are right now in terms of Lamar Jackson. And, and look, I, I think ultimately while I, the run game continues to be important, it is going to be important. I, I think that while Kyler's passing numbers did improve and they do need some extra skill guys to be able to throw the ball to him. I just think the overall passing game has to get better. I mean, the passing game is where it's at. The passing game is where you're going to eventually get there. There's always going to be guys, teams that are going to be able to run here and there. Running isn't not important, but if you can't get those chunk plays, as we've talked about in the past, and you let these defenses be able to get opportunities to stop you because you're only going five and six yards at a time rather than, you know, a 20 or a 25 here and there, it's really, really difficult. I think that's really where they stalled at the end of the year to me. So Darren, when you said earlier about how maybe we all got overextended over our skis, if we will, on the Kyler MVP talk, I mean, when the Cardinals started five and two, six and three, and he was tracking to be the first quarterback ever to throw for 4,000 yards and rush for a thousand yards, was it legit at that point? I mean, do you think it was premature? Because I thought he was a viable MVP candidate. And then my follow-up question would be, you know, what changed? How does he get back to that point? Because defense has obviously changed. Is it a matter of adjust to the adjustment, as we talked about in the second half of the season for the Cardinals offense? Was it a matter of you know, that shoulder injury? Maybe it was more severe than we all thought, and it changed his game. What do you think is the prescription or – how would you diagnose this season and, and uh, the prescription going into this offseason to get back to that status or that level? Uh, first of all, when I'm talking about we got a little ahead of ourselves, I mean, I'm even going all the way back to January, you know, before the pandemic, where we came off that season saying that second year he could be that guy. I'm not saying he didn't deserve to have some conversation around him because he was playing at an MVP level where they were playing. But as Kyle likes to talk about, that was a relatively small sample size. And as we realized, once the season played out, it all counts. You know, it, it, those first seven games that mattered, but so did the last nine. And, you know, you, you, you don't get the MVP. I mean, ask Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, after six or seven games, everybody was willing to hand him the MVP uh, altogether. And he wasn't anywhere near the discussion. It's he, I don't know if he dropped lower than Kyler by the end because his team still was doing better. But, I mean, that's ultimately the same thing that happened to Russell Wilson. And I, I wish I knew exactly what it was. I, again, we've talked about it before. You know, I just feel like 
they they need another playmaker that can catch passes, that can take some heat off DeAndre Hopkins. And and I do, I, I think they've got to figure out how exactly they want to do some things in the passing game, whether it's going to be bootleg stuff that's going to get Kyler outside the pocket more often or get some more comfort within the pocket down the middle of the field. Um, Cause he'll be in the pocket, but it, going over the line of scrimmage or whatever, for whatever reason, whether it's he's short or he's just not comfortable in there, it just doesn't feel like those plays happen enough. And, and Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong. I, that's, that's, that's kind of where I see it right now. I think, yeah. I mean, the intermediate passing game, as we've talked about a few times since the season ended, that's where it starts with me. If you do that, then the run game gets going again. I mean, teams can only defend so much, but it seemed like about halfway through the season, they said, we're not going to let you do that zone read. Kyler Murray is not going to keep the ball when he, when he does that, he's going to have to hand it off. And even though that defender was waiting for him, the Cardinals weren't getting efficient runs. So the running game bogged down and then they couldn't get that 10 to 20 yard air yard type game going efficiently. And if you have that, then you can move the ball pretty well. And I think pocket passing intermediate attack is the most important thing next season, but Kyler Murray has the ability to do that. I think he's, he's naturally going to take another progression when it comes when it comes to the mental aspect. And that's the part where I think he needs to get there is figuring out what a defense is doing to him, knowing where his reads are and who he needs to throw it to, who's going to be open. And once he gets that, I mean, he's got these athletic tools that are better than anybody in the league. Maybe. I mean, I don't know if, if anybody can do both of what he does. Mahomes is a better quarterback. I don't want to say he's not, Um, but Kyler Murray has these special traits as a dual threat. And if he can get to the point where he can sit in the pocket and efficiently move the ball through the air, then the offense is going to be really good. But like Darren said, they didn't do that last season. And I agree with that. I mean, if we're talking about skill set at quarterback, is anyone more talented than Kyler Murray overall? I mentioned Baker Mayfield taking that big leap in year three, and 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 I hope Kyler is on that same trajectory. But yeah, Baker isn't nearly as talented as as Kyler Murray. So I would agree with you on that one. And and I would also say, and and I wonder based on the fact that you mentioned the precision passing game, and that's something that Cliff Kingsbury himself mentioned in early December. Remember that quote about how the precision isn't quite there in the precision passing game. And he mentioned the receivers and I'm just thinking out loud and connecting dots here. But if the Cardinals made a change at the receiver coach, which reportedly they have, how much of the lack of efficiency in the passing game, especially in the second half of the season was on the receiver room. And, and maybe some of those receivers doing to Kyler what the receivers failed to do for Carson Palmer the first half of his first year. And maybe there wasn't that efficiency in there that needs to be. And so maybe it's the receiver room that needs to step up in terms of its performance to enhance the passing game. So I'm curious how that plays out and what else we might learn about that going in, into this offseason. I, you know, I, when I when I, I think about th- there's a lot that's complicated here when you start talking about that part of it, um, because because you're not going to know you're you know, is it is it coaching? Is it talent level? Is it th- there's so many things that we're just never going to know because we're not in that room and we don't we're not the ones breaking it down. And um, I, I wish Cliff would get out in front of a microphone and basically break it down for us. 
but I do not see that happening. You guys are willing to uh, go, go ahead and correct me if you think I'm off base on this. Uh, <laughs> but I do not envision Cliff doing that for us. And so, you know, we're, we're kind of left guessing a little bit. And I, I do think some of it could be the coaching for sure. Uh, some of it could be just, again, the talent level. I mean, if you bring in, I don't know, I, I don't know if I want to have a name to throw out there right now, but I mean, if you, if you happen to have a, a solid number two wide receiver, it's Will Fuller has been brought up before. Not that you would necessarily bring in Will, Will Fuller, but he was a guy that the Texans brought in to try and help with DeAndre Hopkins once upon a time. And he is a free agent, uh, although he is suspended for a bunch of games at the beginning of the year. You know, how much does that change things? How much would it change things if Larry Fitzgerald retires and you give Andy Isabella more of a chance? Is Andy Isabella ready to be there? I mean, I had a question in, in the mailbag about Andy Isabella and somebody said, well, his speed and his hands are there. And I'm, yeah, you know, have, have we necessarily, I mean, obviously the speed is there. I don't know if he's necessarily proven that his hands are there all the time. And is he running the right routes all the time? Is he comfortable in doing what he's doing? Does Kyler trust him? I mean, again, we don't know where some of those things are right now. Look, his hands are better, but are they reliable enough in an NFL setting where contested catches are the norm? You have to be able to make those contested catches to be that overall reliable, productive receiver. Are you able to get your body between the defender and the ball? Are you able to have those sort of hands where you can wrestle the ball away or or catch it away from your body and, and complete the catch. So those are still question marks. There's no doubt about it. And there's no doubt, Darren, that we're not going to get uh, a lot of details from the head uh -huh. coach on exactly uh, what he might be thinking. That's why we're left to sort of connect the dots. And that's what I was doing based on the comment that the head coach made in early December about the lack of precision in the precision passing game, which is the backbone and DNA of this offense. And, and the fact they just made it change at the receiver coach, if nothing else, maybe that's a message, Kyle, to the receiver room and saying, okay, next thing we do, it's easy to change a single coach. Next thing we do is start changing players. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that the third season is kind of make it or break it for Andy Isabella. And I don't think you'd go into the season saying, hey, you're, you're penciled into the starting lineup, not when he was – basically inactive down the stretch. I mean, that's quite the leap from your second year to your third to say, we didn't think you were good enough to be active on game day to, hey, you're our starting Y or our starting slot receiver. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. I would personally be surprised if they don't add a number two wide receiver because I feel like that's a pretty big void offensively, I, I think, or, or, a, or a really good tight end, but they need to have another pass catching option that can be type of a game breaker type guy where they just didn't have a lot of yards after the catch there weren't a lot of jitterbug opportunities for guys I mean there was nobody that was a better athlete than the defensive backs other than DeAndre Hopkins in a lot of scenarios and I think if the Cardinals can get that maybe that helps unlock this offense but I think they clearly need to do something to upgrade in order to reach that level where you talked about earlier Paul you want to contend next year it's I mean, that has to be the goal is for you to make that big jump and not just make the wild card and lose. I mean, you're running out of time to have Kyler Murray cheap and you have to take advantage of it. Once upon a time, we always used to like to say, right, us talking heads about how the second most important player on any NFL roster is the backup quarterback. Remember those days, Darren? Remember that? <laughs> it used to, you know, it used to be. So 
when you see what happened in the divisional round playoff games, when Lamar Jackson goes down and Huntley comes in, what's his, what's his full name? I can't even, I don't even remember. I need a prompter right here. What's the backup Ravens quarterback's name? Oh, um, oh, Tyler Huntley, I think. Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Huntley. Tyler, yeah. and, and, and he misses Hollywood Brown wide open down the field for what certainly would have been six. And then you have the Kansas City game where Chad Henney comes in, and as Patrick Mahomes tweeted out, anything is possible. <laughs> and on third and 16 or whatever it was, he gets right near the sticks, and then they pick it up on fourth down. You know what I thought of? I thought of what would Brett Hundley have been like in week 17 at the Rams instead of the inexperienced Straveler the Leveler? Instead of Huntley versus Henny, what about Hundley versus Leveler? And I thought of the Cardinals and what could have, might have been with an experienced quarterback in that scenario on the road against the Rams, not unlike what Brett Hundley did in week 16 at the Seahawks the year before. Did anybody else? have that thunderbolt of a thought at that moment. I think everybody probably had that thunderbolt of a thought and certainly after it was over and you, you don't know what would have happened. I know the one thing that the Cardinals had going for them in, uh, in Seattle last year when Hundley was playing was the fact that they were running the ball better uh, and they weren't running the ball quite as well. And I, you know, you wonder how much that would have, bothered him but at least Brett Hundley has ha had had a bunch of experience starting a bunch of games for the Packers not playing great but he had done it before but you know again for me uh, you you have to wonder a little bit about uh, now that we're beyond that game um, what they do next year you, you saw it in the playoffs with with Mahomes going down like you said with Lamar Jackson going down it's such it, it is an important spot because you don't think about it till you need them. And then when you need them, it's a really scary kind of situation. And I remember seeing some tweets before uh, the Rams game this past weekend when uh, uh, Orford was out again and the Rams only had Blake Bortles active. They didn't activate Bryce Perkins and have a third quarterback. And some people were surprised about that. And that's just where coaches are right now. You're going to have two quarterbacks active for a game. They just, it doesn't matter what other injuries you've had. You're only going to have those two quarterbacks and you better hope that starter doesn't get hurt. I mean, Kyle, what else from those, uh, those games, you know, what else struck me is, is how much I still enjoy watching Tyron Matthew. Can I just say that he now has 11 picks since 2019, the start of last season, the most of any safety in the NFL there's just something about Tyron Matthew being the heartbeat of a defense, and you can't tell me he isn't exactly that right now for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I thought that interception is a, a, a great sh you know, example of what he does. He just he diagnoses plays faster than anybody else on the field. I mean, he's, you, see, uh, you see him and you see his emotion and the swag and everything, and, and that's a, a cool part of him, but the, the thing that stands out to me about him is his intelligence and his ability to figure out what a quarterback's trying to do and to step in front of the receiver on that play and pick that pass off was just such an incredible job of dissecting where the ball was going to go. And he, he's a guy who takes a lot of chances and you can't, I mean, he does things that are just instinctual that coaches can't teach that they don't want to teach. Like you're never going to say, Hey, leave a guy running a route and try to jump a different route. And we saw Patrick Peterson in the final game against the Rams, try that. And 
the, the Rams threw over his head for a 25-yard completion. So there's serious risk when you do that sort of thing. But Tyron Matthew just always knows how to do it. And you're right. It, it's a fun thing to watch him succeed because he was such a good player for the Cardinals in 2015 is probably the best individual defensive season I've seen since covering the team going on seven years. And for him to tear his ACL a second time, not bounce back for two full seasons, you really wondered if his career was not going to rebound to the point it was. And now he's gotten there. He won a Super Bowl. He's on track to maybe win another one. And it's a cool redemption story within like eight redemption stories throughout <laughs> his, his whole life. And look, he's not the same player. Uh, he's not the guy you put in the slot who can follow you know, a, a quick receiver in man-to-man coverage. He's not that guy anymore. He is strictly a safety who uses his intuitive nose for the game. And, and, and he's a very sure tackler still, obviously, in the open field. So, but just his ability to impact the game and just his ability to lead uh, a defense. And you guys remember when he first got drafted by the Cardinals and, and, and the coaches after about two weeks said, look, he may have run a 4-5, but he plays like he runs a 4-3. That, that's the sort of instincts on him. And, and uh, you know, the Cardinals like to think they have a guy very similar to that and a Buda Baker and so forth. But, but I, I think back in the Cardinals season and I think of how much they miss Jalen Thompson and, and how much I'm looking forward to hopefully Jalen Thompson being healthy for the Cardinals going forward. The other takeaway I had from watching some of those games, Darren, was Devin White and the impact mm-hmm. he made at middle linebacker and oh, Kyle, no. I should have added him oh, no. the last couple of weeks. I should have added Devin White to the list. There he is with an interception himself and giving stiff arms like Derrick Henry saying, get off me. And there, there's a guy who's a heartbeat of his, his defense and setting the tone. We should just make this the middle linebacker podcast right. at this point. We need a, right. a segment, 20 minutes a day, middle yeah. linebacker talk. It'll be a breakout I mean, session afterwards. It's funny that and, – and Kyle's been on this – on pounding this hard ever since last year when he was iffy about going early uh, to Isaiah Simmons. Um, but I've been watching, looking at a lot of uh, uh, certain analytics, Twitter, and they're talking about how the mistakes made by some of these teams. One, uh, one example was the Seahawks and how they took an off the ball linebacker, you know, uh, as opposed to taking a potential third wide receiver, good third wide receiver, because quite frankly, a good third wide receiver is just so much more important right now, or or a guy that could be your second on an injury than an inside linebacker at this point. And you look around the league, and and I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, uh, Paul, in terms of that it's important to have that guy. But um, you know, one of the reasons. Uh, they won that game was also because the Bucks have a lot of really good receivers. And uh, I'm guessing if you had to ask Bruce Arians who he would throw back into the pile right now, um, if you, you know, put like a couple of those top receivers and Devin, uh, Devin White, I, I think I would know who he's going to say. <laughs> and I don't know if it's, the, if it's one of the wide receivers. I love B.A. after the game, by the way, his quote is sort of a backhanded quote, as he's wont to do. He said, yeah, everybody said that Devin White couldn't cover anybody. Well, he showed differently today. So that that was a money quote. And then they asked him about and it's interesting because I I kind of thought of the Cardinals in this this application. They said, well, what about the identity of this team? Did you finally get an identity to this team Two playoff games in? And Bruce Arians answer was uh, essentially 
look, I said at halftime, our identity is we're going to be the bleeping bleepers who find a way to win this game. That's going to be our identity. And so it was another classic BA postgame quote. Yeah, and that we've talked about offensive identity for the Cardinals and all that. It's like, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, if you're throwing, if you're obviously you want to be a very efficient passing team, but early when the Cardinals were run raid and they were averaging six yards a carry or seven yards a carry in games, that'll win too. I mean, I don't think it, it matters that much as long as you're great. But yeah, I mean, the from week to week, things change a lot. I think you just want really good players to make plays and you put enough good players on your team, you can call it whatever you want. You just want to be successful. All right. So what else, Darren, stood out to you over the this last division round set of playoff games and going into the AFC-NFC championship? What else uh, stands out to you? Well, I mean, I mean, it's it's hard not to get past what you talked about earlier, which is the quarterbacks right now. And, and maybe even where the Cardinals could potentially stand going forward. I mean, um, when you look at, you know, the Saints are going to be probably without Drew Brees. Tom Brady is still playing at a very high level, but he's older. Um, you know, Russell Wilson is not as young as he used to be. Um, you know, a lot of the really good young quarterbacks seem to be in the AFC right now. And thank goodness Trevor Lawrence is heading over to the AFC, it looks like. And um, hopefully Deshaun Watson stays over there. Um, but it feels like as important as the quarterback position is, the, you know, the Cardinals have an advantage with who they might have in their conference. Uh, now you got to get the guys around them and you got to get the whole team going in the right direction. But Tom Brady's not going to be around for forever. And, uh, and, you, and you, do, you do have some optimism there. At least I would. How about you, Kyle? Anything else stand out, especially as we go into uh, championship Sunday? Uh, I mean, I kind of want to build off of Darren's point more than championship Sunday because I, I like looking at it from a Cardinals perspective, but I do think they have a chance with the way the salary cap is configured. Like it's, it's going to be hard for a lot of teams to get under the cap and a lot of important veterans are going to be released and having Kyler Murray so cheap, the Cardinals are in a lot better position than most teams or they're going to be under the cap when things begin and they can easily shed more salary and get further under. And you, you're probably going to find really good bargains on the free agent list this season because a lot of these veterans just aren't going to get paid. So the Cardinals are in a good position where, they're going to where they want to put the pedal to the metal and they want to compete right away. And there are going to be guys available for less than they're, than they're worth. So I think it's a kind of a good spot for the Cardinals. Like you don't want the salary cap to go down and you, you obviously want these players to be paid their market value and nobody wants this pandemic to happen. But if, if everything has to be like this, the Cardinals are in a better position than probably 80% of the teams I'd say. Well, and I, I would just jump in here real quick. It's funny that we, because we use that term a lot. And when you say market value, it's it's what they're worth. Yes. But unfortunately, the, the market value is going to be lower now. Get, they might get paid their market value. The problem is their market value is dropped because the overall economics of the game is dropped. Um, and it's going to, I'm... I'm fully expecting, quite frankly, to have a ton of guys sign one-year contracts this coming year, uh, just like they did last year, because you're going to hope to try and tread some water with this and not get tied down to any situation uh, until you can get bigger money. That's That would be my guess. I heard it said that 
a lot of players and their agents are going to be facing tough decisions when teams inevitably propose a salary cut. Because of the reduced cap, there's going to be a lot of hard discussions. We'd love to keep you, but not at your current number. And then the player and the agent are going to have to decide, do we take that number or do I risk going on the open market where there's a good chance I could get even less? Because nobody knows how it's going to play out on the open market. And honestly, I get the sense that this could be an epic year for kind time signs. We're talking late July going into camp where a lot of guys are probably still going to be an open market, slowly coming to the realization I'm never going to get what I thought I was worth. And it might even be earlier in the offseason because it is such a reality for so many players where there might be that first wave, but that the old second wave where you look at Devon Kennard and, um, and Devondre Campbell, you know, Jordan Phillips wasn't a, he was a first wave, but he wasn't like a $15 million a year guy. Like these, these second waivers might not happen at all. You might not see a bunch of six, seven, $8 million a year deals. It's going to be three or $4 million. So that's, that's going to be interesting how all these teams handle it. I mean, Darren mentioned the saints, they're a hundred million dollars or something over the cap. <laughs> like a lot of teams are just going to be hitting reset for one season because they're in such bad cap shape and it's going to be really hard to, to be competitive next season. And I think a lot of teams might have to just look at 2022 because of the cap shape they're in and the Cardinals don't have to do that. They're in better shape. It's funny. You mentioned the saints because at the end of the saints playoff game, somebody got a clip of Drew Brees and it looked like if you kind of read his lips, something telling Jameis Winston, something like this is your team now or something like that. Now maybe people were above their skis in terms of, of guessing what he was actually saying, but let's say that's what it was. And I'm thinking to myself, Jameis Winston's a free agent and the saints are so far over the cap. I don't even know how much they could afford to pay him. If you're Jameis Winston, do you want to stay there? Now you could probably put up some nice numbers in Sean Payton's offense, but are you willing to do it for like $2 million? Are you willing to do what like Cam Newton did? Or are you going to go out in the open market and see if somebody might be willing to bring you in? Uh, it's, it's going to be fascinating because I, I do think it's a push and pull. I mean, I agree with you, Paul. There's going to be a lot of players that are going to have to make hard decisions, but there's going to be some teams be put in a, a rough spot too, because there's going to be guys they really want to get and they're going to be so hamstrung that all, you know, it, you could end up losing a guy <laughs> for a contract that normally you'd be like, I would have matched that in a second, but because of how bad a situation we are this year, we can't. And it would, that would be so frustrating to have a guy that you really, really wanted and it only cost you whatever it is, $3 million a year. And you're thinking, I can't afford to pay that guy $3 million next year. That's, that's really going to be, there's, there's going to be some uh, Tums moments for some GMs too. So as I hit zoom out here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, Darren, the fact that the Cardinals have 27 unrestricted free agents. It's 28, Paul. I'm going to apologize. I, I had the number 27 out there. I, I missed Isaiah Irving. So they have okay. 28. Is that in the top echelon, top tier, top percentage of teams? I would have to look, but I, I certainly would think that it's, it's pretty high up there, yes. And here's the real question. Is that a good thing this year? Because you might be able to negotiate lower player salaries. You might be better equipped to get under a cap that now might be around 180 million reportedly. We'll see. But is that actually put the Cardinals in a better position having more unrestricted free agents than usual? Well, I would say the, the one thing it does do is it prevents you from having those uncomfortable 
conversations with players and agents about taking a pay cut uh, if you want to stay. I'm not saying it won't happen with any Cardinals, um, but if a guy is, has an expiring contract, then there's less of that. Uh, and now you're just talking about having a guy go out in the open market. And the reality is, is um, you know, I think the Cardinals wouldn't mind having a bunch of the guys back that are free agents, um, but they're not necessarily – deal breakers in terms of if you don't have a particular guy or not um, just because of where they are in their careers or where they, you know, how they're playing or whatever it might be. So again, I think it's going to be fascinating how Steve Kime approaches this. It's going to be fascinating how the entire league approaches this. You mentioned $180 million in the cap. It was right around a little over 198 this year, I think it was. And they were worried that it was going to be down as low as 175. So it'd be a little higher than what they were originally worried about but still a significant drop from this year especially when you normally would be jumping to like 210 million in a non-pandemic situation and you're instead going to be at 180 it's it's a it's a hard road to maneuver and i know there's a a big number of free agents but if you look at the cardinals from a first string offense and first string defense i mean there's not a ton of spots where you need guys this is a lot of backups a lot of depth guys I mean, you have you have your left tackle in DJ Humphreys. You have your quarterback in Kyler Murray. You have your star wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. Like you have Buda Baker and Chandler Jones. You have a lot of cornerstone building block pieces on each side of the ball under contract. And it's maybe you're in a good spot where you're because they think the, the general idea is that the stars are still going to get paid. Like Jalen Ramsey got a huge extension still, and obviously the Cardinals paid Buda Baker. Cardinals. Are, are maybe more looking at these second tier guys and that's where you probably get the bargain this year. And that's another reason why I think they're in good shape because they have a lot of these premium positions under contract cornerback to me is the big one that they don't. And then, you know, outside linebacker, if you don't bring Hassan Reddick back, that would be the other big question to me, but I, I still feel like they can probably figure out a way to get Reddick back because they have the money. By the way, speaking of Hassan Reddick, didn't, Pro Football Focus to sign him as the number one free agent to target, the most valuable guy that could potentially hit the open market. Kyle, wasn't that Hassan Reddick, the one they identified? Yeah, they picked one person from each team as an impending free agent that would be the toughest for that team to lose. And they they chose Reddick for the Cardinals. I personally agree with that. I mean, you've got bigger names, Patrick Peterson, Larry Fitzgerald, Kenyon Drake, Marcus Golden is a free agent too, but from what Hassan Reddick showed and because of his age, he's still only 26. He's an edge rusher. One of the most premium positions in the NFL. Those factors to me are why you would love to keep him. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's a big priority because of those factors, even though he doesn't have nearly the track record of some of the other guys, but realizing that once you put him at outside backer, he really flourished. That would give me hope that he can continue to do it. And yeah, the five sack game inflated his overall sack total and he ended up among the NFL leaders. But I believe they assigned him overall the 11th best pass rusher grade in the NFL. So so based on that and how important it is to get to the quarterback and how the Cardinals right now have some questions on the edge and then Chandler Jones and his age and his contract status going into the last year, I, I would definitely agree with their assessment there. To hit zoom out again, Darren, when you look at these personnel decisions, to what degree should any of this go through their franchise quarterback? And I bring that up because of the Sean Watson situation. And 
it seemingly appears that if they would have been more in sync and in concert with Deshaun Watson, then they wouldn't be in the situation they're in right now. So is there a lesson for the Cardinals and every other team with a young franchise quarterback on board to learn based on how players view things here in 2021, uh, starting with the NBA and what we've seen over the past few years? I think that's a great question, Paul. And, and I, I think it's a case-by-case basis. Um, I, I do think that there are certain parts of this that Kyler Murray still has to learn, the NFL game. I mean, I think it's different with Kyler Murray than it might be with Carson Palmer when he was here or even Kurt Warner um, because he is still trying to learn the game himself. I'm not sure, you know, how much he's actually paying attention to the rest of this stuff. So I, you know, you're hesitant to, to give too much uh, say to players because there can be a, a legit conflict of interest. Let's face it, if it was up to Kyler, they would have spent – they would have gotten CD lamb with their first pick last year, I think. And, and, and I think Kyler would be the first to say that he has his biases of why that he would do that. So, but, you know, I don't think it's wrong to loop in the quarterback and kind of let him know what your thought process is with some of it, even if you're not necessarily saying, what do you think, if we do think we're doing the right thing, just kind of make sure he knows what's going on. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that didn't hasn't worked with Deshaun Watson is he feels like he doesn't know what's going on. And I, I think you got to be really careful because I, I think it's hard. Like I said, with Kyler Murray being 23 or whatever he is, I'm not going to him and, and relying on all the experience because he doesn't have much. But at the same time, if you're asking a guy to be the face of your franchise, if you're asking the guy to be here for a decade plus and build your franchise around him, um, I do think there's a little bit of, again, letting him in the loop uh, so he understands the thought process behind some of this. I mean, for example, when Tom Clements retired and they named a quarterback coach, Kyle, I'm guessing that went through Kyler Murray to a large degree before they elevated Cam Turner, right? Yeah, I mean, I think especially a relationship like that is is super important. And yeah, I think it's it's a very unique spot where Kyler Murray is a player and he's still, what, 23 years old, I think, at this point. So he's such a young guy, but he's such an important part of your franchise that I, I totally agree with Darren. Like, yeah, I mean, Steve Kime obviously knows how to watch tape and understands traits and understand who to draft better than Kyler Murray, who's, who's a young player in the NFL. But I think it's still good to kind of keep him in the loop on stuff and, and ask him, you know, if he sees anything or if he's thinking anything for next season, I think that type of partnership would be a good thing overall. Uh, but it's certainly a fine line because you're the GM or, or you're the coach and, and you have certain ideas and you know a lot about what you're doing. I mean, you don't become a head coach or an assistant coach or a GM uh, for no reason in the NFL. And I think you have to remember that too. So I think it's an interesting dichotomy, especially like you said, Paul, in the more player empowerment era that we've kind of gotten into. And I think luckily for the Cardinals, there's a lot of good things going on. There's good synergy between Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray and, and Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell. I think there's a lot of good things going on with this group and, and you just want to keep it that way where everything's copacetic. And I am saying within reason, there's no doubt about that. I mean, for example, Darren brought up Kurt Warner. He, he was in a lot of ways the offensive coordinator when, when he was on board and he was instrumental in devising the game plan, just like Carson Palmer had a big say 
in devising the weekly game plan. But those guys had a decade under their belt and, you know, former number one picks and Pro Bowls and MVP trophies in the case of Kurt. So, so I get it. But, um, you know, it doesn't hurt to err on the side of keeping your franchise quarterback involved <laughs> and, and aware based on what we've all seen going on. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's that. By the way, are you guys, as we wrap up this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, what exactly uh, are you guys doing here? And in, in, in case Larry Fitzgerald calls it a career, because uh, I'm fresh off an- yet another editing session, and if Larry is listening, I'm asking him for at least another 24 hours <laughs> if we still have a little editing to go on your 12-minute career retrospective feature, Larry. So just buy us a little more time in the editing room, if you would, please, if you are on the verge of announcing that you're calling it a career. Even better, if you can just call Paul Calvisi and let him break the news, and then everything's good. You can get your retrospective ready. You can go ahead and tweet out that he's retiring and get 5 million retweets. It'll just be like uh, the Herm Edwards scoop. Or even better, if you're staying, Larry, then I'll just shove it off to next year. I can procrastinate, and I'll go hit happy hour. Okay? <laughs> see, that, see, that's the question. Oh, the, the question we need to be asking right now is, since we've been going through this uh, merry-go-round for five years or whatever it's been, how is this not already totally done? I mean, everything just in, in, the, in the bucket and already finished, right. and you don't even need to worry about it. Just worry well, about growing out that mustache. I, I was a bit of <laughs> I was a bit of a gambling man the last few years, thinking, ah, he's not serious. So you know, I kind of had it halfway done, but I didn't have it all the way done because I wasn't all the way buying that Larry was truly going to retire. But uh, at 37, actually, the question we need to be asking ourselves about Larry: How, according to reports, the man bought a house for three million in 2015 and just <laughs> sold it for 18 million dollars? Are you kidding me? You talk about say, well bought. What is I going will, on with that? I will say, Paul, I have uh, I have talked to some sources that have let me know that uh, Larry did put some upgrades into that house. <laughs> uh, so to say he went from three million and, and turned it to eighteen probably isn't accurate, but uh, I'm sure he did just fine. That makes me feel a little better. But, but once again, hashtag winning. When it's Larry Fitzgerald, and I mean, come on now, are you? Are you? Did, who was? It was Cliff Kingsbury. Who said, "You think of Larry, you just think of a guy who wins at life." Well, here's well, the latest W for Larry. And here's the other thing too. I hope nobody's looking at him selling a house as a potential that he's retiring. Because one, he's going to have a house in Arizona. Larry's the guy that would do something where I'm. He's living in a house. He's totally happy. And then some guy knocks on his door one day and says, "We're going to give you like double market value if you're willing to sell this house." And Larry's going to be like. I'm out. Okay, go right ahead. I'll, I'll go buy the place a mile down the road and make my money. I don't care. Here's well, $12 million in profit. Yeah, I'll, I'd take that too. It is a seller's market. There's no doubt about it. So once again, Larry, uh, shrewd in, in his, in his uh, acquisitions and sales. It's, uh, and Darren, don't think for a minute, I didn't at least think something about it. In the, in the words of that great American philosopher, Stephen Colbert, you know what that means? <laughs> Probably something. <laughs> okay, so that's what I thought of when Larry sold his mansion in PV. I thought you meant you thought about buying it. That's my bad. Yeah, that's where I thought you were going with that too. And then I had no. to wonder what we're paying you. No, no, no. I, I, I just settled for the 12 car garage, honestly. You, you had me at the 12 car garage. <laughs> to live that, in it? That's what I wanted. To, to oh, live boy. in it? Is that you, that's where you would live? In the 12 oh, absolutely. Car yeah. I, well, come on now. <laughs> I, 
I, I can't even fill half the garage. So I'd have I'd have more square footage in the second half of the garage than I do at Casa Calvisi. So let's be honest. So, you know, in fact, I'm leaving it right there. You know, that, that's kind of a sobering life reality moment. I need to take five. That'll do it for Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Mic drop. <laughs>